Welcome to... Hey, Great Shot. This is the Great Shot Podcast, a Cracked Rackets Antennas Channel Podcast Network production. My name is Alex Gruskin. With each passing day, we inch closer and closer to the start of the 2021 ITA season. And of course, that is a day all of us tennis fans can get excited about. We are starting to learn there will be a little bit of ATTP and WTA action in January. But for you tennis fans out there who are going to be looking to get your fix, all of us going to be able to turn to the college tennis world as it really does look like all systems go for the 2021 season. And of course, we here at Crack Rackets want to prepare all of you listeners for that 2021 season. We have rebooted our College Contender Series, breaking down our top 11 D1 men's teams heading into the year for each of these teams thus far. We have talked to the head coaches. Of course, for all of those interviews, go check out our Cracked Interviews podcast. Of course, your favorite writer on our website, Matt the Cracks Dekowiak, has broken down all of the teams via a little bit of an right up on our site. And of course, Maddie, Chris Halliorce, and I come together here each and every week to talk about these teams, give our thoughts on their prospects for that 2021 season. And that's what we're going to be doing again today. And it is crazy to think that we are already at the number five team in our Cracked Rackets power rankings. And it's worth noting here at the start, this is when things start to get serious in our rankings. From here on in, we are talking about teams that we don't just think are going to be successful in 2021. We think all of these teams, if things break correctly, if things go their way, legitimately have a shot to capture the 2021 NCAA championship. God willing, we get to NCAAs this year. And of course, joining me to talk about the number five USC Trojans on today's podcast are the two other members of our College Tennis Holy Trinity here at Crack Rackets. Let's start where we always start. You know him as your favorite writer on the website, CrackedRackets.com, the former four-star recruit and, of course, the better half of Baylor's Nick Stokowiak. It's Matt the Crack Stokowiak. Maddie, hey, great shot. Looking fresh as always. How are you doing this week? Doing fantastic, man. Finally uh, excited to get into our top five contenders here. Every single week that we do this, I'm just getting more excited because I know we're inching just that much closer to some college tennis. It's going to be here, really. I mean, in just a month or so, we're going to be rocking and rolling. So top five, let's do it, man. Yeah, it is crazy to think. Again, it really is inching on us closer and closer. I was doing the math. I was like, oh, we might have to double up one week on this College Contender Series to make sure we have all of the coaches, all of these teams previewed before the actual action begins. And for a little bit there, we thought, will there be any dual matches in the lead-up to this 2021 ITA kickoff weekend? Maybe not. It turns out there will be. So yeah, before we know it, we're going to have some results to talk about. And of course, whenever we're talking results, we bring in our statistician, the third member of of our college tennis holy trinity you know him as the forefather of the college tennis ranks formula predictions never far from the listed utr one of the many dames to root for the liberty flames the lover of almond joys lover of mothers the snitch the professor it's chris halioris chris hey great shot as always i'm not gonna lie the hair is looking crisp today you've got some business in the front but it is a full-on party in the back Oh, it's, yeah, I, I got it going on. I mean, I was I was kind of proud to, uh, you know, tweet back at you that, uh, you know, that my that my breaking news is about like my COVID hair. It's a uh, it's all over. <laughs> Well, I will also add this. No, I mean, you're definitely rocking the looks. You look comfortable. Yeah, that breaking news tweet, though, was 
it was all over the place. I mean, you had an edit here, a colon there, an asterisk here. It caught my attention. I just, I don't think it was actually grammar. So maybe no longer uh, the the statistician, maybe no longer the professor. We're going to have to send you back to grammar school. I will say this. I am absolutely going to add the man who's always got it going on uh, to your intro. I'm glad we picked up another line early on there in your response. So that is good to know. You are the man who's always go, got it going on. But speaking of always got it going on, That gets us to your breaking news announcement from this week, and it's really a two-part announcement because I don't think we talked about it entirely yet on this podcast together, and of course, it was a big moment for National Indoors for the kickoff weekend. So, of course, we learned, gentlemen, it was two parts of news. One, we learned, I think it was Friday of last week, we had heard, you know, someone had told Chris, and then he and I went on a little bit of a dig reporting together, and we confirmed that there will be no Stanford at the National Indoors, and this is something we forecasted in our mock drafts. We know the rules state to state, even county to county at a more granular level, school to school, they differ for how these schools are going to handle COVID-19, how that will impact the early part of the winter sports to carry over into the spring sporting season. Of course, Stanford announcing that they are not even going to have students on campus until near the end of January, and thus there will be no athletics on campus until those students return as well. And thus, we learned we lose two significant teams from the kickoff weekend. Of course, the Stanford women, we, all three of us, I should say, picked against. We thought Pepperdine was going to advance over them, but still Pepperdine now going to play host to that region. The Stanford women out. They were semifinalists last year before losing to UCLA. And then and look, we talked about it throughout our mock kickoff weekend drafts. The fact that Stanford was going to play such a critical role in where so many different schools go. We could argue that decision from Stanford to head to NC State ultimately led Tony Bresky and the Wake Forest program to blink. We were so sure that they were going to end up going to uh, NC State. They end up making the decision to go to TCU. Well, With Stanford dropping out of the tournament, uh, a spot opened on both the men's and women's side. And for the women's side, it was a little bit more straightforward. For the men's side, uh, there was a two-prong option. One, we had a school pass. Alabama uh, electing not to play any of the kickoff weekend events. They were going to plan to host a couple of dual matches in Tuscaloosa that weekend. Uh, And then, of course, there was Minnesota, the next team in, wondering if they were going to get the shot to go to NC State. Of course, I in a desperate plea to get Baylor out of Ann Arbor was trying to start the hashtag send Baylor to Raleigh movement. Uh, Doesn't look like that's going anywhere, does it, Chris? Because ultimately, and this is your reporting, hey, great shot to you, Alabama headed to NC State, and now that region, I still think Ann Arbor is the most fascinating region in the country just because you have three potentially top 10 teams, but that region is fascinating. Yeah, I mean, top top to bottom, if you look at from a competitiveness standpoint and trying to rank them, I think they're the four most even teams. You know, most regions have a weaker team, if you will, or a real standout team, if you will. That region's got four teams that you look at and go, yeah, I could probably make a case for any one of them winning. Maybe it's a little struggle with Ole Miss, but, uh, you know, it's possible. And yeah, there's... you. It's going to be really hard. Even that first that first match now with Alabama and NC State, tough to call. You got a couple of schools in in uh, Ole Miss and, and Tennessee, and then the winners facing each other. So yeah, I think. And when that happened, the real question was when Stanford pulled out. The question came down to, hey, when Alabama passed, 
did they pass because they didn't quite have all of the the I's dotted and the T's crossed for the matches they were setting up for that weekend in place of going to kickoff, or uh, or or I I guess what I should say is did they leave themselves as available or did they leave themselves as available on the off chance that by some for some crazy reason the region the NC State region if you will would still have the fourth spot open and they'd go play. And I think we got the answer in that that was the that was really what it was was hey if that if there was a good spot open they were going to play otherwise they'd go make their own arrangements and now when the second time came around even though they had been working on setting up other matches uh, I think from the folks I've talked to and the teams they were going to play they'll still play those matches but at other points during the season and now they'll head to uh, to NC State and make it a really competitive region. Maddie, I want to get your reaction in a moment. Let me just say this quickly because sometimes college tennis deliver, delivers unintentional comedy when it doesn't mean to. The fact that Alabama can be like, you know what? Actually, all of those other regions are too competitive. We're, we're good for now. And then literally two seconds later be like, actually, things have opened up beautifully for us now. We will happily accept that NC State region. Uh, to quote my mother, that's some baby back bullshit. Um, first of all, that's actually not what she would say at all. I just thought that would be a good time to throw that phrase in. But, I mean, it's just, it's amazing, Maddie. I don't know if that's more disrespect. Like, if you're NC State, do you feel disrespected by Alabama? You're like, ooh, bold move, coach. Or at the same time, if you're Alabama, is it as simple as, look, this now is too good of an opportunity for us to pass up? Yeah, I mean, I really don't want to get into that part of it too much because obviously, (laughs) should should they really? I mean, you look at that and it's a bit puzzling, right? It's like, okay, you're going to pass and now all of a sudden a spot opens in Raleigh and you're just going to take that spot. Like, I I, I don't know how that should all go down. I'm not going to really comment more on that. I don't know if that's fair. You know, you've got a team like Minnesota that I think would have gladly taken that spot. Hey, if you pass, screw you, man. You're out. You passed. Um, That's just what I think. But anyway, in terms of what actually happened here, I'm disappointed that we're not going to get to see Stanford. I was really, really looking forward to watching Stanford at the kickoff weekend in Raleigh. Like I just, it would have been an early season look at a team that, you know, we're all very, very high on. So that's disappointing. But now I mean, that that Raleigh, the, the Wolfpack, I mean, I think they have a good chance. I, I, my head is still telling me that I want to pick Tennessee to come out of there now. But Ooh. I think I may switch my pick, and I think I may go with Coach Spencer. We've had him on here recently. I may take the Wolfpack to actually hold their home courts. Tough place to play indoors, four courts. I think I might go with the Wolfpack to actually come out of there now. It's going to be super tough. All four teams are very good. I don't know, man. Maybe it's my ACC bias coming out as it always does, but I think I'm going to roll with the Wolfpack now. I think that opened up nicely. Chris, I would just like you to notice what Maddie did there. It's something I do all the time, and you guys call me out for it. And it's the moment you have a coach on this podcast, we become compromised. Our our integrity is just compromised. How can we not root for Coach Spencer and the Wolfpack now? Fair. I mean, all that's why we try and get as many of these coaches on the show as possible, so they can't accuse us of being biased towards anything except Michigan and wherever your brother's playing, Matt. And I think people can understand those biases. Or for Chris, wherever his nephew is coaching at a given time. 
have, you know, familial ties. Um, but yeah, for part two to that, also, Matt Stokowiak, draw ethicist, is a pivot I think we all needed. Like, I want to hear your thoughts on the morality of Alabama passing and then getting a spot. I think that's the content all of our fans are looking for. But to your point, just quickly on that. Yeah, if you pass, you pass. Like, I, I do think that should be the policy moving forward. And this is a once-in-a-lifetime sort of draft thing where this happens. But if you pass, you pass. Like, it is a little bit ridiculous to kind of be able to go back in there. And this is not to be disrespectful to Alabama, who, sure, an opportunity arises. Take that opportunity. But this does feel like a little bit of a rule, ch- like, where it's just kind of like, it's just unkosher would be the way we would describe it in my house. So everything about this feels unkosher. Chris, I'll give you the final word. Man, I don't know what it's. It's got to be this whole millennial. You feel you're entitled to something. I don't know, what it is, but you're you're smoking crack, Gruskin. I mean, I know that's normal, but still, I mean, come on. How is how is that not kosher? You look at the board in front of you. You decide you don't want it. You pass. Now the entire situation changed. A team pulls out. If you got to go back and look at the board as it was without that team, and you were able to say, "I'd take it." Of course you should be able to get to go back and take it. The, all this says, first for, first of all, is George is A, a genius. Perfect setup. I mean, he exactly, if you're not going to pass 100%, no matter what, you should leave yourself available. Hell, you should leave yourself available for the draft, even if you know you're going to pass just a f*** with everybody else, okay? <laughs> but besides that, you you should stay you should stay in and lo and behold somebody pulls out and you get to go in there's there's nothing unkosher about that the board changes you get to go back make your choice yeah i, I said i was going to give you the last word I thought you were going to agree with me. So since you disagreed, I'm going to jump back in. But don't worry, I will go back to you. And I want to I hear Maddie's thoughts as well because I saw some thumbs down from him. Here's the thing, and you say it's a generational thing. In my generation, we are we are men of our word and women of our word. When we say something, we mean it. Oh, that's actually not true at all. But I'm just saying that hypothetically for this moment. And if you as a team say, hey, I'm passing, why do you get to go back? But you talk about the circumstances changing. Stanford had the first pick. It's not like Stanford picked, you know, 24th and then Alabama picked 25th and it was um, incremental change to the draw. This changes everything. First of all, Florida goes to NC State, then Texas A&M probably still goes, or probably at that point maybe goes to Texas. I think you probably have to go to Texas at that point. Even if Florida goes to Texas, then Texas A&M is going to NC State. The point is everything changes at that point. And if you're going to let the number 25 team or whatever Alabama was, I think they were 17th-ish in the draft order, you're going to let them go back even though they passed. That to me is the unkosher part. It's like, why do they get to go back? A pass is a pass. It's not a pass, but you know, if things break right, and four picks come back to us because we're good to go. If you pass, you kind of forego your chance to play the event. And I agree with you. As a coach, never say you're pulling out of the event until it comes to your school. I have no problem, even if school number 50 knows we're not playing this event under any circumstance. Stay in the draft because maybe a circumstance does arrive where you play. And if you pass on draft day, totally kosher. If you pass on draft day, though, and then rescind that pass a couple of days later, we're not stopping the steal here. You know, we're sticking with the politics theme since we had Macy on, and some of you will get that in a little way if you listen to that coaching interview. It's just, it feels unkosher. Yeah, Gruskin, I mean, it's not often that we agree. 
uh, and I think our listeners know this. It's very rare, actually, but uh, you said it well, man. I mean, that was very nicely put. I don't have anything to add to that. We can move on. I agree with everything you said there. That's how I view the situation as well. Midwest values, Maddie. That's what we share. Midwest values. Chris, this time for real, final word. No, I mean, I think uh, I, I honestly wouldn't have had... I was, I was actually a little surprised. It makes a lot of sense to me. I was a little surprised to learn and didn't know that ahead of time that it would go back to the first school that passed. And, and even as such, and I think I sent you guys the excerpt from the, from those rules, um, even had say, uh, you know, say they passed again and Minnesota took it. And then let's say that later USC or Pepperdine, or, you know, I'm just picking on the California schools because they seem to be the most likely to have to pull out. Let's say that one of those schools pulls out, it would yet again go back to Alabama for for first choice. It's going, you know, it'll continue to work that way. So, um, yeah, I mean, I don't have a huge problem, but I I do think, uh, I think it's, to me, it's okay, given that uh, they passed on the board at the time, left themselves available. But uh, but yeah, uh, I think to, to each our own there. Yeah, again, it is the cheeseburger of the mock draft. It is unkosher. Uh, it's just it's it doesn't feel right to uh, to have that. And believe me, we can debate what's kosher. I think it's just genius. This is so stupid. All right, it's tangent number one. Whatever. It's a great shot podcast. It's you too. We haven't spoken in a week. I miss you both. It's month nine of quarantine. I can few uh, you know speak these theories. It's amazing to me that like it, again, let's picture it. It's. 200 BC or you know it's right around there and there's just there the COVID-19 of the time is anyone who's eating these pigs from the Levenstein farm like you are getting sick like these pigs are diseased and so they were like you know what God said no more eating pigs he said it's unkosher for you to eat pigs and so we're gonna stop this and in reality that guy was actually the first doctor because he's like I'm gonna say it's God but in reality I just I'm following the science here and it's the pigs and it's like that's how kosher started and it's like we're just gonna stick with that now even though the science has changed even though the world is different that right there is my relationship with a religion in a nutshell maddie chris you both look very enticed by my theory here uh you look like you have things to comment Uh, uh, my only comment is i love how it was a levenstein i mean come on Leave it in, stuff. Leave it in. Um, <laughs> all right. With that in mind, we are fully off the tracks here. Let's get back to what we want to talk about on today's show. Of course, again, we are continuing our College Contender Series here, breaking down our top 11 teams heading into the 2021 season before we get to today's team. Westoff, give me that College Contender sound effect. All right, guys, we've alluded to it earlier. The number five team on our list is the USC Trojans, and I'll just say this at the top. The margins between teams one through five in our Crack Rackets rankings by the number numbers, excuse me, is smaller than the gap between USC at number five and TCU at number six. So again, to put that in perspective, we think teams one through five are closer in level than we think TCU is to number five USC. And let's just start that conversation there, Matt. When you look at the Trojans coming out of 2020, when you look at the Trojans heading into 2021, this is where the national title contender conversation begins, correct? 
Yeah, I mean, it definitely is. This squad last year, I mean, it's it's clear this was the number one team in the country last year. I mean, there's no doubt about it. They win the national indoors. They're 13-1 and one overall. You guys saw them win that title up in Wisconsin, and um, obviously they were having a fantastic season. And and really, their, their only loss, again, and I feel like we say this all the time, in Columbus, at Ohio State, indoors, to me, that's not even a loss. Like, whenever anybody loses in Columbus, I just chalk that up and say, yeah, you're going to lose that match. So, in my book, that doesn't count. They were really undefeated um, and were, were really doing well. And who knows? I mean, this was a team that could have easily gone all the way, had a great chance to win it all because we know, I mean, USC historically has been a better outdoor team. They play most of their matches outside in California. So, the fact that they won the indoors... I think a bit surprising. I think most of us had picked North Carolina to win that indoor event last year and USC takes them out. So I thought that was fantastic. And, you know, heading into this year, it's going to be just a little bit different though, guys. Um, you know, when you lose a guy like Brandon Holt, captain, leader, number one player, um, that that's a big loss. It, it really is. I mean, this is a guy that was there for four years. One of the best players really throughout, you know, the, the storied programs history singles doubles everything when you lose a guy like that you know it, it always makes you wonder okay can this team did they reload are they really going to be able to match and do what they did last year I don't know there's still plenty of talent left over and we'll get into that the roster is still very very good um, but it's interesting because it's not going to be that exact same team that we saw last year no Holt and maybe a new contributor or two that we see playing in the lineup routinely. Yeah, Chris, Matt mentioned it. We were at the National Indoors last year, and we watched this USC team just come together and play their best tennis in the highest pressure moments, and they did it pretty much without Brandon Holt, who was a placeholder in some of their most important matches, right? He plays number one singles against UNC. It allows everyone else to be pushed down. He does the same thing uh, early in the tournament, I believe, when they get tested by TCU, and he's just kind of holding on there against Alistair Gray, and in a match that was so close, the fact that he won that first set uh, ended up being a big moment there, but Look, Chris, you have this team as number two in your individual rankings, and I know part of that is we're all afraid of Coach Macy. Uh, he seems to be the person who gets on us most about everything. Matt's shaking his head. You say you're not afraid, but please, we know. I'm not afraid of Coach Macy. <laughs> I'll call him up right now. Come on. <laughs> yeah, that's because you guys have identical hairlines. Uh, so it's just a it's a similarity between the two of you. Yeah, it's just crisp up top. But um, no, Chris, you have this team number two, and. Again, we talk about the margins being thin. I know the gap between them and maybe three, four, and five probably isn't that big, and there's even a case for them maybe to start out the year number one. But just heading into this season, why do you feel so highly about this team? Well, first of all, you know, it's 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 every year. The reason I have to be so high, you know, it's Coach Macy and Coach Roditi. Notice the common theme there. I'm 5'8". Uh, you know, I mean, those are, those are the two guys that line up with me that I'm always high on. So, uh but uh, no, the the uh, the thing with USC, we saw them, and you and I got to see it at at indoors when they played. Even without the match, they played without Brandon Holt. You know, Kukerman just destroyed. Uh, you know, Geller at, at, at one, and and they had no they had no problems. Granted, you have you're going to have to do that now every match, not just one time. Uh, but they've got the depth. 
they were clearly one of the things that Coach Macy, that you know, for the folks that'll go listen to that that interview that we did with him, one of the things he talked about that we got to see very clearly there was these guys are truly a team. They are brothers. There's not a lot of individuals here that are, you know, maybe they go practice uh, because they have to go practice and then they go their own ways and come back together and and it's you know every man for themselves. They're a team, I think, and there's there's clearly something to be said about uh, the teams that play as a team and not as a bunch of individuals. So in my mind, when the margins are that thin, as you've stated, between the teams that we've got up there um, in in one through five, and, uh, you know, spoiler alert, as you've given many times, we all put North Carolina at the top. But after that, two through five, super thin margins, I'm going to err on the side of the team that's got that's super tight, comes off a win at indoors, really experienced a bunch of guys that I expect to be playing. Um, I, you know, I, I, there's no way I could take it away from them when the other schools up there, barring Ohio state, they're always there. The other two that we could make a case for, uh, you know, they're kind of, you know, they're making a good leap this year, if you will, to get into that range. So I had a hard time putting them up in front of USC for sure. Yeah. I mean, again, to be at that national indoors, why we got things so wrong, the things that maybe we weren't looking at closely enough, because North Carolina was just blitzing everyone. I mean, it cannot be stated enough. They beat Ohio State. It well, or was it? It wasn't Ohio State. It was the match before Ohio State. It was the quarterfinals Florida. against Florida. They beat Florida in like an hour twenty minutes, and it was just shocking. I mean, Blumberg made Oliver Crawford look like me out there, where it was just like, oh, you just don't have the weapons to hang with me today. It's cool, like you're really good, Oliver, but this is how the big boys play. Um, and it was just this steamrolling of them, and then you know Ohio State a little bit wounded in that match, but they beat them fairly comfortably. They weren't dropping doubles points. They won, what, like their first seven matches of the dual season 4-0 or whatever, and so they just were rolling in, and that was not the case for USC, and you know, USC did beat Stanford 4-0, but, you know, they almost lost that match against TCU. It felt like if Alistair Gray would have taken that first set against Brandon Holt, and I still will never understand how Brandon won the first set of that match, particularly given how well Alistair played throughout the rest of the weekend, but but, you know, if they lose that first set, now things become a little bit interesting in that match. Against Michigan, I've said it once. I'll say it a thousand times. We were up 3-0. Correct me if I'm wrong, Chris. I believe we won five first sets, if memory serves me correctly. And it was like, holy crap, Michigan is going to the national finals and we're doing it. And like, we're be and no, you know, there was no Brandon Holt in that tournament. But uh, whether, you know, throughout the lineup, it's Maloney uh, or Beatty, they dropped their matches after winning for, you know, just throughout the lineup, USC manages to come back and they managed to work their way back and uh, they ultimately win that match and they just they kept getting battle tested and I promise that was not all an excuse just to bring up the fact that Michigan in an alternative universe might have won the national indoor championship last year that's all to say that they just kept dealing with adversity and they kept finding solutions and then this is a little body language thing but like you could see in the warm-ups for the national indoors North Carolina there was silence on that side of the court everyone was very focused and everyone was very ready for the task but South 
you know, uh, South, South Car- I was going to say South Carolina, Southern California, USC, they were just, they were ready. They were loose. They were amped. They were having fun. That looked like a team that wanted to play in a national final. And that stuff matters. When you come off of a season going 13-1 and and you beat Stanford twice and you beat the team that everyone's going to have as the consensus number one and you pretty much do it without Brandon anyways and you bring everyone back, that sort of stuff matters. And so, you know, again, as we start to get into the roster and the projected lineups, we can talk about the stats from the 2020 season, but that's probably where you start when you look at this team heading into 2021, right, Matty? Is that they just, they bring everyone back from that experience. Every member of this roster, of the playing roster, Sans maybe one, will have played in a national championship match, and you just can't fake that experience. Yeah, no, that that's super important. I mean, it, it is a pretty experienced team. I mean, they, they really are. There's only one freshman that's, you know, going to be in addition to the roster, so or one that's at least going to make any impact. Um, so, yeah, no, all, all these guys have played in the biggest stages, the biggest matches, you know, the high-pressure moments, and, and that's going to be important. I mean, they're going to need that as we get into the postseason and they're going to have to rip off, you know, four or five matches in a row if they want to win a ring. Um, I mean, I think that's going to be a big part of it. I I really do. And I I do overall, I like the makeup of the roster, you know, a a guy like Cookerman that you mentioned, he's going to have no problem filling that role at number one. I mean, that's, that is no issue. We're talking about one of the best players in the country who can beat anybody. So he's the perfect guy. If you lose a Brandon Holt, you want Daniel Kukerman filling that spot, which is exactly what's going to happen. And then you kind of go down the line and you've got some other really good players. So, yeah, I mean, the pieces are there. It's just it's going to be little fine details that make the difference with these top five teams. Yeah, and you look at this roster, guys like Riley Smith and, you know, uh, Cookerman and Moore Bullis and Jake Sands. It's year, you know, Bradley Fry. It's year three for them in the program. And you look at what they've done, you know, in that, and this is, uh, I I believe this is, it's crazy to think, by the way, this is only Coach Macy's second season at USC. It really does feel like he's been there for a while now, but you still look at the trend, the track of these players. You know, this is a roster, they went 20 and nine back in 2018. They ended up losing to UCLA in the quarterfinals after stealing a win over uh, North Carolina in that round of 16 match in Wake Forest in 2019. That same team comes back. They end up, I believe, if memory serves me correctly, losing to North Carolina in the round of 16 in that rematch. That was the uh, USC hosted that round of 16 at, in LA. That was North Carolina was one of the few upset wins. And then obviously last year, that roster was one Chris loved. He was all in on that USC roster, having into the season. And I mean, again, Chris, you look at that roster now, and uh, if you wanted to add anything, by the way, to my national indoors analysis, please do. But it's it's all of the same cast. It's the same cast of characters. And, you know, yes, some of these other schools got better, but USC had a nice little margin between themselves and some of the other schools. So I, I what are your thoughts on this roster? Just bringing everyone back. Yeah, I mean, a, a couple things. One, just just to add, uh, since you since you asked to, to the indoor piece, you you had mentioned how before those matches, the match, you know, USC seemed so loose, and I think one of the things that really got me, and and I I don't know a hundred percent with certainty, but I believe it was the strength coach. You and I were sitting there, and someone showed up right for you. A surprise. It was almost like it was a surprise guest. He comes out, yeah. and the team goes absolutely nuts for the guy, yeah. right? 
Uh, I mean, it was like, you, you know, you were, you were thinking Roger Federer just walked into the huddle, right? <laughs> I mean, it was, it was crazy. So, but, uh, you know, and that just kind of even more told me, yeah, how close all those guys, not, and not just the players, but just the whole group, including uh, the staff is. But, uh, yeah, I mean, bringing everybody back and adding uh, Lodwick West straight from, from the Netherlands, who's a, a, another guy that's going to be competing. I mean, I think we, we look at this team and we see, yeah, we kind of know who's sitting uh, at the top, the top three guys, if you will. Um, but then, and, and I would say even four, but there's no way Destanich is not in the lineup. Uh, but but after that, when you talk about who's in those last two spots, you've kind of got a group of guys competing, and he will absolutely day one get thrown right in that mix as one of the guys competing for that spot. Uh, and you know we've talked about it so many times before. This year, more than ever, having extra depth is only going to be an asset given the the likelihood that guys end up having to miss time uh, for for whatever reason. So. Uh, I, I think it's going to, you know, it's a great roster. The only, the only question is, and without having, you know, they just started practice here, what, maybe two weeks ago, a week and a half ago. <laughs> what does the doubles look like? Because the guys have not had a lot of time to play together. You've pulled Brandon Holt out of the doubles pairings, and now you've got to find doubles teams. Obviously, Riley's going to play with anybody, uh, and it's going to probably still go really well. But you've got to you've got to figure out: Are you just subbing someone in for him and trying to keep with the other teams you had, or do you start trying to mix it up? And you don't have a lot of time to figure that out. Yeah, I think for all of these coaches, that is going to be a tough thing, and that's why when you bring back veterans, like part of the thing for Baylor, and you know they're in Texas as well, so I know that they have they've had guys on campus a little bit longer and a little bit more uninterrupted practices. But if you're Coach Woodson, it's like, man, I this is really my first time seeing all nine of these guys compete against one another. I don't want to have biases. I want to give all of them a shot to compete in the lineup. And you know, we were even talking with Coach Macy, and it helps for him that he knows his guys, that he knows, you know, he talked about it in the interview you're all going to listen to where he says you know I, I can try and take the number one singles position from Daniel over his cold dead body because he would kill me he'd murder me before I have him play anywhere in the lineup before number one singles but outside of that you know we got to replay our favorite game of Chris picks the USC lineup and like there are legitimate choices from two to six because they have so much talent from po- top to bottom and this is where we can sort of get into the projected lineup and Manny I just want to run some numbers by you uh, before you give me your thoughts on where you think things are going to shake out, you look for uh, the Trojans last year. You know, uh, across the board for them, they had you know their two worst positions. They go eight and three at the number one singles position, nine and four at the number five singles position. Oh, no other singles flight had more than one loss. Now for doubles, you know things were. I don't want to say exceptional. Things were fine for them. And some of that is they played Ohio State indoors. They played Michigan indoors. Those are two of the best doubles teams in the country. Uh, so they lose those. And that obviously lopsides things a little bit in a shortened season. But they also beat North Carolina in doubles last year. Obviously the best pairing for them. Number five team in the country of Cookerman and Smith. Uh, they also get, you know, mixed around a lot at two. They played Holton Bolas. They played Holton Dostinich. A couple of different options at the number three position. They would have Dostinich and Fry. They would have a little Bolus Jackson action, a little bit of Fry Jackson action. They were mixing things up. But again, 
you know, you, you look at the numbers for them. Kukerman's in at one probably. From there, where do you go? Yeah, I think it's pretty clear. I mean, we're going to see Riley Smith and more Bullis at two and three in some order. I mean, last year, Riley Smith was primarily playing ahead of Bullis, if I remember correctly, in that lineup. But I wouldn't be shocked if that flipped around and Riley Smith played three and more Bullis was at two. I mean, I could see that happening, but but there's no question those are going to be – that's the top half of the lineup. Cookerman and then Bullis, Smith – Um, And that's a great top three. It really is. I mean, I I like those guys a lot. I mean, for me, if I am going to question anything here, and the reason why, I mean, USC is not my number one or number two team is because four through six, I'm just not sold. I'm sorry, but I'm just not. I mean, I think Dostinich, uh, Chris mentioned him. He'll definitely fill in there at number four. I think that's going to be pretty clear. Five and six, we don't know. I don't know, man. I mean, is it going to be Sands? Is it going to be Fry? Is it going to be the freshman Westrate? I mean, Ryder Jackson played some last year and was pretty good as a freshman. So there's some guys there, you know, Fry and and Sands are experienced juniors. They could play five and six, and and that might be a good way to start the season. But, you know, by the time we get to April, May, you know, does Westray develop enough? And is he now in that lineup solidly at number five or number six? So I I think five and six is a toss-up. It's going to be some combination of, Sands, Fry, Westrate, maybe Ryder Jackson here and there, and and that's what you've got. But those are really the only guys that that are going to play those positions. One through four, pretty set in my mind. And then in doubles, you already mentioned the top team. I mean, well, that's not as you change. say. Quickly, Maddie, before we get to the doubles, let's just stick on the singles point because I think there's okay. that's going to be such a big debate for this USC team. How does really even the two through six singles positions because outside of Kukerman, who was number one in the country for the majority of last season, who went 26-2 and two overall in singles matches between the individual events and the team dual match season, I think that only loss came to Cannon Kingsley, right, at Ohio State indoors. That was the only match he lost during the dual match season. Um, but, you know, look— Two and three are locked you, as well. I mean, Kukerman, well, one, two, so three are all locked. Here's why I disagree with you, and let's just look at the numbers. I agree with you. I think indoors, Riley Smith, you probably have to start with him inside at the number two singles position, and we talked about that with Coach Macy and Chris. I promise at some point I will let you talk. Uh, but you look at the numbers last year. You know, Riley Smith, 6-1 and one in dual matches, 2-0 and oh at 2, 4-1 and one at 3. More Bullis, 9-1 and one in dual matches, 5-0 and oh at 3, 4-1 and one at 4. That only loss coming to Connor Johnston at, in the Michigan match. Outside of that, your other wins lead. You had Stefan Dostinich, who, uh, in my opinion, if you're asking me which four guys are locks to be in the lineup every time, those are my four guys to be locks. I made the case for why I think Dostinich is going to jump up to the number two singles position on the Cracked Interview Pod with Macy. I'll do it again here in a moment. But he was 7-2, and two, primarily uh, most of his matches coming at the five singles position. And then, you know, Bradley fought Fry, six wins. Ryder Jackson, six wins. Jake Sands, four and one. They've got a bunch of options at the bottom half of the lineup, Chris. Let's even just start again. When you talk about the six guys who will be playing, start there first. Who do you think those six will be? And then tell me what order you think they're going to be in. Yeah, so, uh, I mean, obviously, Cougarman's one. When we go indoors, as you just stated, I would say it's Riley two and more Bolas three. I think when we go outdoors, I flip that, and it's more two and Riley three. 
Um, and then uh, for, for reasons that you want to make the absurd case that Dostinich should be two, he will play four. Yeah. Uh, and then it comes down to five, six. And I think to start the year, and again, I've not obviously gotten to see West straight uh, at all. I, I think you go, you, 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 you know, you'll get a little bit of time. Maybe Coach Macy will look at these guys. Jake Sands had injuries. He's coming off of them. We don't know what he looks like. The safe bet would be to say Ryder Jackson five, Bradley Fry six. That's what I'm going with to start the year. Uh, just because of the way those guys played last year uh, and where they played and, and Coach Macy's familiarity with, with their game. So I think that's where, where we start. But again, the wild card could be Westrate. And coming from the Netherlands, he's probably got some decent indoor experience. So maybe he does. Uh, you know, it's always interesting to see if these guys want to put a kid that's just, not only is he a, a freshman, he's going to be a guy just coming, you know, now in January to to the fold. Do you want to put him in? Uh, actually, I think Coach Macy told us he was coming this month, but uh, he'll just be getting to, to California in December. Do you put him in that quickly? I, I don't know. So I, I would lean on, on the safe side. Um, but, you know, you never know. May, maybe in the kickoff weekend you give him some action and see what he can do if, if you're playing a team that you feel like you're probably going to win the match no matter what. Mm-hmm. You know, what will always amaze me, and right now, you know, the UTRs are a little bit off. USC, an 81.5 UTR. Uh, by the way, that 81.5.12 lower than their conference rivals, Stanford, who I'm sure we'll talk about in a little bit. But by UTR right now, it would go Kukerman 1, Bolas 2, Smith 3, Dostanich 4, Fry 5, Sands 6. Sands about a point oh nine uh, uh jump above uh, Ludwig Weststrait, uh, as you mentioned, Chris. Maddie, when you start to break it down 1 through 6, how do you say, see things playing out? Who, me? I already told you. Kukerman one, Smith and Bullis at two and three, Stefan Dostinich at four, and then, I don't know, five and six. I mean, I, I, I really don't know. It's a toss-up. It's going to be some combination of Fry, Sands, Westrate, and Jackson. I mean, to me, those guys are all pretty much the same. You throw them in, they're all the same. I haven't seen Westrate, so I don't know, like, how good he's actually going to be right off the bat. It'd be cool if he could jump in there immediately and be like a stud at five or six, but I don't know. I mean, I think just based off of experience, you look at Fry and Sands as juniors and say, okay, I mean, if it was me, I'd probably start Fry and Sands at five and six. Yeah, look, I, I think to I Chris's mean, one point— one through four in- is easy. We all know that one through yeah. four, there's no question. I think indoor Smith starts out at two, Uh for yeah. the indoor portion of the season. I do think once we end outdoors, Dostinich is going to end at the number two singles position. I think he's no, the highest no, no. upside play of the three. I did of the three behind Kukerman. I think look, he was one of the top recruits in the nation. You know, Coach uh Macy spoke very highly about him in the Cracked Interviews podcast. I saw his game in person of all the guys. Fry, Sands, they can ball. Don't get me wrong. But the ball comes off Stefan Dostinich's strings in just ways that are different from 
percent of college tennis players. I believe in his upside. I think he's a guy who's going to make a huge sophomore jump, and we so often see the guys who go on to be really good college tennis players make that big jump once they have their second years under their belts. You know, case in point, Stevie Johnson, that second year, Samdev Devarman, that second year. I can go on and on and on, but trust me, that's when it happens for those guys who do uh, have a lot of success in college tennis. I think he's going to be one of them. I think he ends the season at the number two singles position. But again, they've got so many options. Like, I agree. West Strait's going to play matches. Ryder Jackson's going to play matches. And in a year where, as Chris mentioned at the top, and as we mentioned every week, there's going to be injuries. There's going to be some sort of COVID-19-related something for so many of these teams. Depth is critical. And this USC team has depth. Now, of course... In terms of the doubles teams, as as Chris mentioned, you lose Holt. That takes one of the six pieces out of the equation. They haven't had many repetitions to test out new teams. And under in that spirit, you imagine continuity will be key for these doubles teams going in, Maddie. right? That's the way you would lean? Yeah, I mean, there's no question. I would roll with Riley Smith and Kukerman at number one. This was a top five team all-american team they i mean they can beat anybody and they showed that last year so that's my number one team and i also kind of like the team of dostinich and fry and they played a little bit together last year i think that's a good pairing pretty savvy doubles guys the question then because you pull holt out who plays with more bullets i think more bullets is going to be in the doubles lineup the question is who do you pair him with i don't know westrate his doubles prowess would he be able to step in there and, and kind of play that position maybe with more bullets? Or, I mean, I don't know, Ryder Jackson, Jake Sand. I mean, that that is a bit of a question mark to me. Holt was a really good doubles player. When you remove him, I think USC is going to have a couple of pretty good teams. But in terms of all three teams, I don't know. It's tough questions. Chris, your thoughts on the way the doubles lineup shakes out for the Trojans? Yeah, I'm with Maddie. I think I think that's the the one and two teams he mentioned are, are probably there. Uh, and then you, you you get somebody that that and there I'm I'm gonna guess that they've had some practice and some matches where these guys have played together. So someone's played put in some time with more uh, in doubles that isn't West Strait. I don't think it'll be him. Uh, and, and I think we'll see them you know pair up together to start the, to start the year. And for most, against most teams, it probably won't matter. Those top two will take care of business. Yeah. I We need the tennis to start as soon as possible so we can all start disagreeing more frequently. It's just, it's horrifying to me how often we agree nowadays. I need to watch Florida play so that I can jump back on their national championship bandwagon just so I can just throw <laughs> something different at you guys or I don't know or something. I need something funky to happen. But yeah, I agree with you. In a, in a season when continuity is key, uh, that is going to be big for the roster. And Coach Macy talked about it, you know, when you have Riley and Kukerman in the majority of matches, you can be like, all right, we're up 1-0 in doubles. Now we just have to find one more, and we go from there. And when you have six other options to find one more successful doubles team, uh, you like your odds if you're Coach Macy. Absolutely. And so 
yeah, it's uh, they have got choices. I agree with you. They probably start with the questions they know. Now let's move to the conference look outlook. And honestly, from the conference outlook, you can kind of shift into the national outlook as well because we've talked about it before when we talked about it with Stanford, and I mentioned it already on this podcast by UTR. Uh, they're a little bit behind Stanford as of right now. Now, as the season goes on, that margin will stay narrow. Again, it's 0.12 separating the two teams. That's 0.02 per player. That's nothing. It's essentially a toss-up. Is that how you view things, Maddie, as a toss-up, or do you view USC as a slight favorite heading into com- in, heading into the conference, at least? Yeah, no, it's a toss-up, and in fact, you guys will remember I picked Stanford to win the conference, the Pac-12, and I'm, I'm going to stick by that. I, You know, that's probably an unpopular pick. Most people will go with the Trojans, and that's fine. Um, I just love Stanford. I, I really like the makeup of their team all the way throughout. They've got a ton of depth, veterans, youth. I mean, they've got everything that you want, I think, in a successful team. The Trojans lose Brandon Holt, and I just I don't like that. I, I think I, I don't like that. Um, those are two. I clearly, I don't think there's really anybody else that can make a case in that conference. I mean, it is Stanford, it's USC, and it's everybody else. I mean, I don't even put UCLA into that mix. I'm not putting Cal Berkeley into that mix. Stanford, USC, but I'm going to give the edge to the Cardinal. Um, and I think the Trojans will finish number two in the conference. You guys have talked me into it being a two-team race between USC and Arizona, as we learned on kickoff weekend from Chris. Uh, that's the team to watch. No, obviously, uh, it's USC, Stanford, and then sort of everyone else. Chris, I think we—or, Chris, excuse me, Matty. I'm very happy you said you take the Cardinal because it opens up a realm for us to disagree. Let's see first where Chris rides in this argument. Why? It's hard. It's hard to take a strong stance and say Maddie's out of his mind. I mean, I'm not going to pick Stanford. <laughs> oh, you only do that to me, huh? Yeah, it could certainly happen. Yeah, now you pick them, and I'll, maybe I'll change my tune. But my no. takes are usually a little more rational, right, Chris? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm going to go w- with USC, especially early on. I think I think what'll be more interesting to me is by the time we get to conference tournament time and those Stanford freshmen have had their time to get into uh, what college tennis is all about, especially Arthur Ferry. I mean, Tristan Boyer is an American kid. He's probably seen college tennis. He knows what he's getting into. Arthur Ferry, for all intents and purposes, has no clue what he's getting into. He's going to come over here thinking tennis is, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a, a one-man game, and all of a sudden, no, it's not a one-man game at all. This is all about the team and the crowd yelling in between points, and it's like nothing you've ever seen. Uh, so, so I think it's, there's always that learning curve for the January commits that come in, and I expect to see some of that from Ferry, even though he is ridiculously good. Uh, so, so, yeah, I'll, I'll still go with USC as, as my favorite. Uh, and but would it shock me to see Stanford win either the regular season or conference tournament? No, not not in not particularly. But I do think, uh, as you said, uh, Alex, it's it's a two team race. Yeah, I, I think. Look, early on, especially given the experience level, it's hard to 
deny these Trojans, and you know, I do think they are going to win the regular season conference. I also, though, do think that, especially given the regional uh, degree of play or the regionality, regionality, regional focused, whatever the word is, the nomenclature unclear uh, of each team's schedule. USC and Stanford, if I had to guess, I bet they play four times in the regular season at, at, at least, and. You know, I do think Stanford will beat the Trojans in at least one of those matches. However, I just think the I just think the floor of this USC team in each and every match they're gonna play this season is so high because they just they know how to operate a college tennis match. This is a team full of veterans and not just full of, you know, okay veterans. Like like with all due respect to Noah Schachter and, uh, you know, uh, who am I missing? Who played? Guido Marson? Is that the other guy I'm missing for them? And there's one more who plays at Pierce the bottom Rollins. half of the Texas A&M. Yeah, Pierce Rollins. Thank you. Barnaby Smith. Thank you. That's the name. I like those guys. I like the bottom half of the USC lineup a little bit more. I really? just like the strength. Yeah, I like Bradley the strength Fry, of their talent. Jake Sands, Ryder Jackson. You love those guys. And Dostinich and Bullis. I mean, that bottom four, they, you know, if you look at it, it's two Bullis degrees, right? Bullis is not bottom four. Bullis well, is not you bottom four. We'll see. In my head, he is. I think he plays three singles for the Trojans. I think Riley Smith ends up at four singles for the Trojans. I think this team is going to be ridiculous come the outdoor lineup. I just think they have a lot of pathways to four points in each and every dual match. All right. We'll see. Yeah, I this yeah. is going to be an interesting one. You guys are very confident lower down low. I'm a little bit – I think top three, I like the Trojans. I really do. I think really five and six. I, I, I will question that until they can prove it to me. There are some guys down there that haven't necessarily proven that they can do this year in and year out. Like Ryder Jackson played a couple matches last year. He was good. I think he's. I think he can do it. Sands has been injured. Bradley Fry hasn't shown all that much. I mean, he's been in and out of the lineup. I think they have talent, but I got to see it. I got to see these guys. I don't know if I totally trust their their five and six right now. That's fair, but this is more maybe my bias from the national indoors comes in. I was there, and so many of those wins were on the back of a Bullis or a Dostinich or a Fry at the four, five, and six singles position. And yeah, those guys move up a position, but... I still like them at each and every flight. I still think this team's got a ton of depth. And look, again, nationally, 81.5 UTR. That's as good as any of the top teams across the country. They're, you know, a little bit behind a team like UNC. They're a little bit ahead of a team like Wake Forest. We've talked about before why UTR is not an accurate approximation right now for the Baylor Bears. But... I mean, let's let's shift gears now nationally, Chris. When you look at this team and you start to make some predictions for the year, where do you think this team ends up? Well, I mean, as as you stated, I I put them number two in my preseason poll. So obviously, I have some pretty high expectations uh, for these guys. I think, uh, I mean, I I think they they win the the Pac-12. I think they make a good run. Uh, in NCAAs, and I'm, you know, I'm I'm looking forward to and hoping I get to see a uh, a USC North Carolina final. Maddie, same question to you. Yeah, I think that I think that could possibly happen, and that would be that would be the ceiling. I mean, if they get to that championship match against North Carolina, I I could see that happening, but. I, I could also see them bowing out in the quarterfinals and finishing top eight. I, I really do. There's just so many other teams that 
right now, I can't guarantee that USC is going to be a Final Four team. I had them at number five in my rankings. So there's four teams that I feel just a little bit more comfortable with putting them in the top four. Sure, they're definitely a Final Four caliber team. They could easily get there, but it's no guarantee. I think they could finish as high as number two. I don't think they can win the title. I I do not think they're going to win it this year, especially after losing Brandon Holt. But could they get to that championship match? Yeah, maybe they could. But I think they could also finish in the quarterfinals top eight as kind of the floor. So it's it's kind of a it's a broad range there. But yeah, Maddie, this team will be in the quarterfinals. I, I agree with you. And it's just like, yeah, it's about the upside of this team. I mean, I really like their options down low. What's so crazy to me is when I look at them versus some of the top schools, like and it's funny because we saw them beat UNC last year, but I still probably like the top three from UNC of Blumberg, Seguin, and Rinki Hijikata a little bit better. Whatever the top three ends up at Baylor, I probably like it uh, a little bit better. For Wake Forest, it's that from the three through six positions, they shouldn't lose a match. It's the same deal, by the way, for that Baylor team. For Ohio State, you know, when you throw in Tracy and Seelig with Kingsley and McNally and just all the ingredients they're starting to put together down there, it's just to to ask any team to make the semifinals is tough. Now, you know, it's funny. I have this team number five. As of right now, I think this team is more likely to make the semifinals than Ohio State. But I do think Ohio State's the higher upside pick. And so that's why I have them ranked a little bit higher right now. But man, this team is really, really good. They're well equipped for this season. The thing is, if I say semifinals here, then I have to snub one of the next top four schools. And do I want to snub yeah. one of the next top four schools? Of well, I'd have to snub two do. of the top four I don't schools. care which one you pick, but you're snubbing one of them. Uh, uh, well, not snubbing Wake Forest under any principle because that's my team. Like it, That was my USC last year for Chris. I'm not snubbing UNC because they're freaking UNC. Should yeah. I snub Baylor after they snubbed me? Uh, no, you that would just be please. stupid. No, that'd be stupid. Please do it. I'll have the Buckeyes playing USC. I have it as a 4-3 match. I have it coming down to Kingsley versus Cookerman. (sighs) (laughs) Oh, I'll lean Cookerman for now. Give me the Trojans. Whatever. The Buckeyes, as always, right? That's I feel like that's a good philosophy for me to live by, so we'll stick with that. But yeah, I mean, look, again, it's... It's a toss-up. So many of these teams are going to be so good, and this team belongs right in the conversation with any of these top five schools, any team in the national championship conversation because, seriously, they're the defending national champions. They're the last team to win any significant national event. This USC Trojan team is certain uh, to be one to deal with come this 2021 season. But with that in mind, again, we've covered a lot of it. I, I will give you guys the final thoughts on these USC Trojans. Matt, then Chris, any final thoughts? Yeah, no, I mean, it's it's a fantastic squad. Going to be fun to watch them. I think they're going to be in a battle just to win their conference. And again, it's going to come down to the end of the year. Are they healthy? Can the depth guys step up and win big matches when they need them to? 
Um, because, you know, in order to go on a deep run, like we just talked about, they're going to have to go through some really, really good teams. The potential's there. I could easily see it happening um, if things fall into place. So we'll, we'll watch the Trojans. Chris, I know this answer was already written by Brett Macy, but give me your final thoughts on the Trojans. Look, there's only one coach that hasn't lost a national championship under his tenure. Right? <laughs> It's Coach Macy and the USC Trojans. Go Trojans. Oh, that's good. That's good. That's that's perfect. Till he did it again. Matt and I have the Trojans at number five. Chris has them at number two. Overall, the number five team on our Crack Rackets preseason poll, as we have alluded to throughout this conversation. If you want to hear more on the Trojans directly from a member of the team, you can go hear Chris and I speak with head coach Brett Macy. It really is maybe... I'll give this to him. It is the most fun interview we have done thus far. With all due respect to Coach Steinberg and all of the other coaches who we've had to... Coach Macy brought out some questions for me, let's say, some unexpected questions, and I think all of you listeners are going to very much enjoy that segment. And, of course, Coach Macy always candid, uh, always willing to put up with Chris and my nonsense. So go check that out on the Cracked Interviews podcast. Of course, Maddie, you wrote about the Trojans for our website, CrackedRackets.com. All of our listeners can go read a little bit more about this roster, about their conference, about all of it over there. And of course, again, uh, you will be able to check out the YouTube video previews our super producer Daniel Westoff throws up on our Cracked Rackets YouTube channel. Chris, I see the finger is up. You have one more thought? I do. Question for Maddie, and this will just be a great tease for everybody to go listen to the Coach Macy interview. Maddie, Gruskin plays current technology against the 1957 Wimbledon participants. Does he win a round? Hell no. Oh, thank oh, you. Oh, come on. Oh, no. get out of here. No, no, no. But did you hear? I get to use a modern racket, and they have to use the garbage from 1957. That does not change my answer. Oh, kid. Dude, if you think Pancho Gonzalez... Yeah, he... Chris, I've seen this guy play. <laughs> yeah, Great question. Well, now, now everybody else can go listen to the to the actual answer to that question on the Coach Macy interview. You're taking me. You're taking like Elmer the Fudge Smith over me. Like literally, these players had nicknames. They were like they called like them Labor Billy in the third round or something. I mean, no, they called him like P- Billy Two Hand Hernandez, and it's like what? Because he used two hands, he gets like a special nickname. Wait till you see. I'm telling you, Maddie, I'm gonna hit a kick serve, and they're gonna be like, "You're a witch." They're gonna be like, "You're definitely a witch." How do you I'm know taking, this witchcraft? I'm taking Shlomo Glickstein over <laughs> you, Ruskin. <laughs> Or whoever that is, go look him up and you'll see who I'm no, talking Matt, about. No, that, you're taking. Yeah, he's taking. Yeah, I was gonna say he's taking <laughs> Levenstein from the ranch. He's taking the yeah. initial first kosher person. Uh, that's funny. There you that's, go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <no>. <laughs> Yeah, well, I think that's as good of a place to end things as always. Again, if you have missed any of our College Contender Series, be sure to go check out our website, CrackRackets.com. Shout out, as always, to our super producers, Max Fligner and Daniel Westoff, for the of an editing job they do day in, day out, making all of this possible. Again, uh, the number five team 
on our Cracked Rackets preseason poll, the USC Trojans. Uh, Hopefully you learned a little bit about them, and of course you will join us in wishing the entire team safety, health, success come the 2021 season. Uh, But with that in mind, for my wonderful co-hosts, Matt the Cracks, Dakoyak, Chris Halliores, our super producers, Max Fligner and Daniel Westoff, our friends at DraftKings, and all of us here at both Cracked Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. Gentlemen, what do we tell our listeners? Hey, great shot. shot. And we will see you all next time. Thank you, gentlemen, as always. Thank you.